you're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. Hey y'all, we have a special promo this week. It comes from yours truly. I have a new true crime podcast, Unsolved Unexplained, launching September 3rd, so a week from today. So here's our little promo, and we'll be back at you soon. Do you stay awake at night scouring the internet for clues of how to solve the murder of JonBenet Ramsey? Do you spend hours going down Reddit rabbit holes trying to figure out what happened to Natalie Holloway? If the mystery of the unknown intrigues you as much as it does us, join me, Bailey. And me, Corey, on Unsolved Unexplained with Bailey and Corey. The Happily Ever Haunted podcast may contain graphic content that may include sexual violence, suicide, or murder. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Happily Ever Haunted. I'm Bailey. And I'm Milton. And this is the podcast where we tell you stories of the strange and unusual. And I did that off the top of my head. Look at you. I'm so proud of you. Because I'm over here fucking with other stuff. (laughs) I'm still looking at the photo of the intro we have written down. So proud of you. Leagues of head. Leagues of head. Leagues of head. (laughs) Leagues of head is a totally different podcast. Yeah. So... (laughs) so how's your week going um very stressful very busy it's fine it's almost over all the things it's almost hump day never stops so recording on tuesday night because uh my new school schedule sucks yeah bailey starts school well started school uh today as we're today of this recording yeah so i'm back at school hopefully not catching covid are you excited? Okay, so I will say I've got a lot of shit to do already, which like grad school, so not surprised. But I am much more motivated after going to class than just doing it myself because one, I don't teach myself very well. Because I'm like, oh, I can do it later. Oh, I can do it later. And then it gets to later. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but like, my classes are in the evening and I come home and I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And I actually do half of it. So I'm really proud of myself. Yeah, that's exciting, you know? Yeah, I love going to class in person. Yeah. Um. So, any new any new things to say? I have nothing new. Nada. Yeah. Um. I'm going to add, I have something. If you go on um, Podchaser or apple reviews and leave us a five-star review and like screenshot it and then dm us we will send you stickers in the mail because we just got brand new stickers oh yeah we have merch y'all yeah so uh let us know that you did it and like dm us your address and i'll get some stickers sent out to you yeah so are you ready to jump in uh i am if i stop fucking with my this laptop uh yeah so I wanted to do something different this week. Um, I know that you know I usually stick to the ghosties and aliens and whatnot, but today I'm going to cover a exorcism. 
Ooh. We're talking about some demons, y'all. The movie, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So I'm <laughs> going to be covering the exorcism of Emma Schmidt. Oh. Uh, AKA Anna Uckland. Oh, I know this one. Yeah. So Emma Schmidt was born March 23rd, 1882 in Marathon, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. She also went by the pseudonym Anna Uckland within accounts of the exorcism. Uh, So obviously, you know, to protect her identity. She was the daughter of German immigrants and was raised in a Catholic household. There is very little information about her parents, but Emma Schmidt was left in the care of her father and aunt after her mother passed away. She was a devoted church attendee until the age of 14 when she began to exhibit signs of possession. I was a devoted churchgoer until about the age of 14, too. Oh, really? I'm not sure if I was possessed, though. <laughs> um, I went to church for quite a while. I think I... I stopped going after I went to after I graduated high school. Yeah. Or like towards the end of high school, like 17, 18. Yeah, but you're a pastor's grandson, so yeah. it's kind of obligation. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I just went out of funsies sometimes. Like once I got into like middle school, everybody else was going. So I was like, all right, I'll go. Shit. <laughs> Ain't got nothing else to do. <laughs> right. Uh, So she found herself unable to enter a church without violent thoughts entering her mind. She was consumed with ideas of smashing the holy water fonts and harming the priest. She could not bring herself to receive communion and all consecrated items caused revulsion. Okay, I've got a question. Yes. So not saying that like this is what was going on. But <laughs> have you ever been in church and thinking about something you shouldn't be thinking of? Mm-hmm. And being like, oh, fuck, I got to stop thinking or like God's going to know that I'm thinking. Of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> or be like in church and thinking about something that you shouldn't be thinking of. And it like, are you you're afraid that you get like people can read it across your face? <laughs> right. Yeah, I totally I totally get that. <laughs> oh, shit. They know I'm thinking about sex. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, soon, she simply could not enter a church at all. She was being held back by interior hidden powers, quote unquote. Schmidt was also reported to take part in, quote, unspeakable sexual acts, end quote. Oh. When a local church got involved in helping the tormented woman, they contacted Father Theolophilus uh, Reesing, Reesinger. I love this name. Father Theophilus Riesinger, or Father Father Theo, was also a German immigrant and a part of the Capuchins, which is a branch in the Franciscan order. On June 18, 1912, Schmidt underwent an exorcism by Father Theo, and it was believed to be successful. Very little details were documented from this exorcism, but there wasn't a follow-up to check her progress in over two decades. Over the time, Father Theo performed to me. Wait, whole, 20 whole years? Yeah. I was thinking like two years. I was like, okay, that's a long time, but shit. But 20 fucking years? Yeah. That's they like just kind of like. Almost how old I am. <laughs> that's a stretch, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, you like, yeah, yeah, it is, Bailey. <laughs> like, basically, they like did it, and then it was just like, okay, you know, you're good. You're healed. And but then are you? They. They meant to check in on her, but it never happened, I guess. 
they just, I feel like they just kept putting it off and putting it off. And then by like year five, they're like, well, fuck, like it's been this long. Well, I think at the time, you know, um, uh, Father Theo was in based in New York. Oh. He traveled to um, Wisconsin the first time. New York to Wisconsin's not that. Fun. No, but it's 1912. Oh, oh yeah. So it's like horse-drawn buggies. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. The Industrial Revolution's happened by now. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when did people? St- I'm gonna Google it. Wait, hold on. It was 1912. Like it's not hold completely on. When horse-drawn. When did people stop? Riding in horse-drawn buggies. Alexa was like, fuck you. When did people stop riding in horse-drawn buggies? Here's something I found on the web. According to hubpages.com, the popularity of horse-drawn vehicles began to decline in the late 1800s as people transitioned to motorized streetcars and automobiles. Okay, then they're the, like, cars that go, like, 30 miles an hour. Yeah. Fun fact, my, like, great-great-grandmother was killed by one. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Because she felt like it was down by the river, and she fell out when it was, like, turning, mm-hmm. and it ran over her. Oh, fuck. Yep. Damn, that sucks. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah, every time, like, it's on an old, like, it's on an old back road, and every time me and my dad are, like, driving it, he's always like, oh, this is where this happened. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Good information. Yeah. So, over time, over the time, Father Theo performed many exorcisms and gained valuable experience along with a great reputation. Meanwhile, Emma Schmidt experienced a brief reprieve from her symptoms only for them to return. By the time Schmidt and Father Theo met for the second time, she claimed she had not experienced a day of peace in decades. Oh, no. So, but like me was it me, me with anxiety <laughs> me with depression yeah <laughs> me with school <laughs> just you yeah just you. <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> so a second exorcism was in order the second exorcism is the most documented one a book written in 1935 by father carl vogel entitled be gone satan a soul-stirring account of a diabolical pres- possession in Iowa. So, so now the actual exorcism. So in summer of 1928, Father Theo was again consulted to perform a second exorcism on Schmidt. Father Joseph Steger, Steger of Earling, Iowa, a friend of Father Theo, suggested the exorcism be undertaken at a covent owned by the Franciscan sisters in Earling. So on the low, low. Yeah. Schmidt was taken to the co- uh, convent on August 17, 1928, and reportedly exhibited numerous symptoms, including falling into fits of rage over food that had been sprinkled with holy water and hissing like a cat. The exorcism began the next day on August 18th, and Schmidt was restrained to a metal bed. When the exorcism began... Schmidt began to, quote, dislodge herself from her bed and from the hands of her guards and her body, carried through the air, landed high above the door of the room and clung to the wall with a tenacious grip. All present were struck with a trembling fear. Father Theophilus alone kept his peace, end quote. 
Once the sisters were able to grab Schmidt from the wall, she began to howl and contort her body in unusual ways. The overall exorcism lasted 23 days across three sessions. The first was from August 18th to August 26th. The second was September 13th to September 20th. The last session was December 15th to December 23rd. Once the exorcism was complete, a piercing sound filled the room, followed by the repeated names of the demons that were inside of her. Emma passed out and then opened her eyes and shouted, My Jesus mercy, praise be Jesus Christ, end quote. The exorcism was a toll on all parties involved. Emma's body was malnourished due to the fact that she refused to eat. On top of that, she would vomit up what looked to be tea leaves or tobacco leaves and other debris. Oh my god. Her head, lips, and face were reportedly swelled, and she also was able to speak multiple languages unknown to her, also known as a xenoglossy. Oh. Yeah. That's a whole word. Yeah. We should make up our own language. Don't make up our own what? Language. Language? Yeah, you know how like sometimes like people will do that, like best friends, yeah, sisters. Oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll cover that. I remember, do you do you know about those two sisters that had their own language, and one of them ended up getting killed because they were running across the highway, and like the other one, like I don't know, like some weird shit fucking happened. No, maybe I'll cover it. I don't remember that. I don't know the names, so I'll just like Google that. Mm, okay. <laughs> So, Father Theo was rightfully exhausted, and in the last session, he was awake three days straight to finally complete the exorcism. Oh, I can't even pull one all night. <laughs> That's a lot of Red Bull. The exorcism was reportedly so grueling and violent that several nuns in the Franciscan order asked to be relocated to a different convent. Can't relate. Even Father Stiegel grew increasingly regretful for allowing the exorcism to take place in the convent. So, you're probably wondering who or what possessed Emma Schmidt. Who is possessing her? <laughs> well, there were quite a few demons and spirits involved in this process. Oh my god, there's more than one? Yes. I know about this case, but like, <sighs> exorcisms kind of aren't my bag. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I forget. Yeah. No worries. There's a lot going on up here. <laughs> so if you remember, the first exorcism did not completely solve the problem. The believed reason for that. But it, it was it, she was good for 20 years, he thought. 20 years, 20 whole years. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the believed reason for this was due to the fact that Emma's aunt, Minna, cursed her. What? When she first became tormented, Emma claimed it was the result of curses put on her by her father and her aunt, Minna, widely regarded to be a witch, who allegedly placed curses on her and put cursed herbs in her food. Then, when they died, it is believed that they continued to torment her from hell and usher in other demons to torment her as well. During the exorcism, Father Theo asked who all possessed Emma Schmidt. When asked how many spirits had possessed the woman, she responded that there were many and that Beelzebub was the leader. So, do you know who Beelzebub is? I know of uh, Beelzebub. Okay. I think Beelzebub is like my favorite. Why are you saying it like that? 
Am I not saying it right? You're saying like Beelzebub. Beelzebub. <laughs> I think he's my favorite demon. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if oh. I had to choose a demon, I'd pick Elmy. It's a fun name. Oh yeah. Beelzebub. Well. If I say it three times, is he gonna appear? I fucking hope not. I hope not. I said it. I think. <laughs> Y'all, just so you know. Okay, hold on. Time out. So, we knew about each other's cases this week. Well, I didn't know. I know he was doing an exorcism. And my case is just is going to knock your socks off. Yeah. (laughs) And I purposely am sitting sideways. Shout out to Paul Wall. Um, Sitting sideways. So, because I don't want, I don't want my back to the door (laughs) because I'm so freaked out. Anyways. Anyways. I digress. So... Beelzebub is known as a Lord of the Flies and is one of the seven princes of hell. Under questioning, Beelzebub stated that the woman's own father was the cause of the possession, having cursed, quote unquote, the spirits into her and that they had possessed her under the command of Satan himself. At one point, when Father Theo was asking to speak with the woman's father, whom Beelzebub said was with them, a voice claiming to be Judas Iscariot began speaking instead. Do you know who that is? No, I have no idea. Uh, So Judas is the disciple that betrayed Jesus. So, (laughs) you know. Okay, well, I mean, obviously you knew that. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of common knowledge, though. As soon as you said Judas, I just thought of Judas Priest. (laughs) <laughs> okay okay, okay that's that. fair yeah that. no i mean like i went to church but i didn't go to church i mean i didn't like i kind of didn't go no you fucking church. know the bible though no I don't. I don't not that much i know like a verse or two <laughs> um like i after i like after like the age after i could start like being fun to be around <laughs> Um, I just went to church to socialize, which is a horrible thing, but you know, (laughs) I lived in a very small town. I didn't get out much. Emma's father and aunt allegedly spoke to Father Theo as well. Father Theo also claimed that Lucifer himself had appeared during the exorcism as well. Lucifer is pretty fucking hot though. I'm sure they're not talking about the, uh, the TV show though. Right. (laughs) (laughs) From the book, Um, once Father Theophilus saw Lucifer standing visibly before him for half an hour, a fiery being in his characteristically demonic reality, he had a crown on his head and carried a fiery sword in his hand. Beelzebub stood alongside him. During this time, the whole room was filled with flames, end quote. Some sources say that the case of Emma Schmidt was the first and last exorcism officially sanctioned by the Catholic Church. The story began to spread as the sisters were leaving the convent, and even Father Theo was covered in the 1936 issue of Time magazine. This story also inspired a British movie titled The Exorcism of Anna Uckland in 2016. And even though the story was intended to be kept under lock and key, the exorcism is now a legendary story and one of the most well-documented possessions in the paranormal landscape to date. Bum, bum, bum. And so my references are cultofweird.com, husheduphistory.com, 
wikipedia.org and imdb.com. You did great, sweetie. Hey, thanks. <laughs> I'm typing into my search bar drive so I can go to the drive and pull up my notes. And I was like, IMDB. But that's not going to do shit for me. <laughs> Your so, notes aren't up on IMDB? Uh-uh. Here. So, like, do exorcism? Do you think exorcism still happen today? Uh, Yeah, I think they do. They're just probably... Um, there was, like, a story recently, uh, not, well, there was some stories recently in, like, the news, not here, but, like, in another state when I was doing the research, uh, about, like, exorcism that was happening, um, I'm fairly certain they still happen, I'm just, I'm certain they're just, like, underground, you how know? many do you, how many do you think happen a year? Not that many. I would say like a handful, like Hold on. five to ten. Hold on. Alexa, how many exorcisms happen every year? Here's something I found on the web. According to LAEA.org, an exorcist typically will only perform a small handful of exorcisms in a year, with some exorcists performing only one or two on an annual basis. So, let's say there's like 4,000 exorcists in the world. That's 8,000 exorcisms a year. Yeah. Four to 8,000. Yeah. I don't know how many exorcisms there are per continent. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... And then you get into the, like, religions, like, of different exorcisms. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's, like, a rabbit hole. Yeah. So this week, I am covering the incredibly haunted El Paso High School, a.k.a. the Lady on the Hill. Ooh. So before I jump into this, I have to add that this might be my favorite haunting ever. Like, oh. ever, ever. Oh. Okay. So obviously, it takes place in El Paso, Texas. That's like on the very, very west tip of Texas and like right before Mexico. Um, the high school sits on the foot of the Franklin Mountains, hence the nickname. It overlooks the city and borders Ciudad Juarez, Mexico. The school was built in 1916 and cost approximately $500,000 when it was built. What do you think that equates to, do- to today? And what year? 1916. Four years after yours. Yeah. Um... So they were still in cars, yeah. I would say four million. Twelve million. Dang. USD today. Damn. That's a lot for a school. That's a fucking lot. Hold <laughs> on, I'll tell you why. <laughs> so because the school was built into the side of a mountain, it was a little different than your normal high school. The ground level was uh below street level. And then the second level was actually ground level. And then there are two wings that go off of each side of the school. The high school... Okay, are you ready for why it was $500,000? Yeah. The high school has marble floors and classical columns throughout the entrance. The rest of the halls have oak wood floors. The classrooms have um, maple wood floors. Shit. Damn. The bath... That's all right. That's, That's crazy. The bathrooms are done in marble and porcelain. No? Marble and porcelain? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. So, super fucking bougie, right? Yeah. For sure. Which, like, my... 
my high school, I went to North Dallas. And my high school, I thought, was really nice for, like, what it was at the time it was built. Because it used to be, like, hella nice. Now it's just kind of, it's a little random. But, um, yeah, this is hella fucking nice. Also, I went and looked at pictures of it today. And, like, they've remodeled, obviously. And they have, like, little green and blue couches. And it reminds me of Degrassi. So, like, shout out to Degrassi. <laughs> <laughs> Had to slip it in there. Now you're just like, damn, I wish I was in high school again. <laughs> no, I fucking hated high school. Um... The school had been uh, remodeled multiple, not remodeled, but added on to multiple times since the population rose. Also, fun fact, guess whose alma mater, alma mater it is. It's a Texan, don't forget. Matthew McConaughey. No. Beto O'Rourke. Oh. Yeah. Hey. Because you know he's from El Paso. Yeah. <laughs> But on to the creepy things. Just going to jump right into it this week. First, we'll start with Tobias Tovar. Tovar was a math teacher at El Paso High School. In the winter of 2000, there was a snowstorm. The snowstorm was so bad that the students and staff were trapped in the school for a bit. Tovar thought it would be fun to take his class exploring through the school. Okay, so here's what I have to say about this. Is if this shit happened at my school, which like it wouldn't because we don't get snow in this part of Texas, mm-hmm. that like my my teachers wouldn't be like, oh, well, let's go exploring. I'll just wait. You're being very loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> my teachers wouldn't be like, oh, let's go exploring. My teachers would be like, everybody stay put. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I feel like that was like irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe everybody, like, had had limbs or something. I don't know. I'm assuming the electricity went out probably Like, you can't be out here living your, like, Scooby-Doo fantasy (laughs) and shit. Bro, as long as you don't split up, you're good. Yeah. (laughs) So, he took them exploring. They went and looked around the basement of the school, which, like, I didn't even know Texas things had basements. Because I've always been told that we can't have basements. It may just be in this part of Texas. um, Because of the soil. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So... They went to the basement. Down there, they found some old bricked-up classrooms after climbing through a small crawl space. Man, they really like exploring, crawling through crawl spaces, and I'm telling you, they probably had headlamps, the oil oil lamps, and everything. Yeah. <laughs> this was only 2000. <laughs> the classrooms were all the classrooms that they the classrooms they found were all in perfect condition. Except, like, aging and cobwebs everywhere, you know? Of course, you know, bricked up. (laughs) Yeah. Multiple bricked up classrooms. So, even students' belongings were still there, like the uh, books and the journals. They were open and written in just as if the students had to leave in the middle of their class. They also found candy bar wrappers that dated back to the early 1900s. You want to guess the candy bar? Mr. Good Bar. No, but close. Uh, what is it? Babe Ruth's. Oh, damn. And a love note that was given to one of the students on her desk. Oh. Even though everyone has many questions about this, no one really knows what happened to the students or why the classrooms were abandoned to begin with. Tovar had some personal... (laughs) Tovar had some paranormal experiences as well, other than, like, you know, just finding this creepy-ass classroom. Right. Along with being the math teacher, he was also the basketball coach because, you know, you gotta teach to be a coach. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um which like i'm surprised he wasn't the history teacher 
I'm just saying. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> One day uh, during an afternoon practice, he was in the gym, and the gym was located directly below his classroom. But on that day, he said that the two large doors that led to the tunnels of the school, which, like, okay, I'm sorry, what? Like, underneath the school? No, like, this was right outside the gym. Oh, no. Yeah, they led to the tunnels. Oh, no. So, the two doors that led to the tunnels suddenly swung open. He assumed that there was a heavy draft, and it just, like, did it itself, right? Mm -hmm. Because heavy drafts come from tunnels. Yeah. (laughs) Makes sense. He then closed and latched uh, the door and then locked it. And then he also, with the basketball players, put a heavy bench in front of it. Tavar and the players were walking away when the door slammed open again, and the bench went flying across the room, just barely missing the players. Oh, shit. Yeah. They immediately got the fuck out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, it, like, when I was reading, it was like, Tavar even left the lights on. I was like, yeah, no shit. Like, he ain't been the electric bill. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'd be like, peace. Yeah. So, uh. Tavar is not the only teacher who has an eerie story. Many of the teachers have had encounters. Angelo Plecuda or Plechuda, <laughs> um, my bad for not knowing how to round those, who is uh, the journalism teacher was staying late with his students finishing up the yearbook design. Okay, I always wanted to be in journalism and work on the yearbook, but my class, my high school didn't have yearbooks. What did, did they not just have anything? No, we owed too much money to the yearbook company <laughs> from damn. years before. <laughs> God. Yeah. But, like, I was like, oh, like, you know, school newspaper and shit. I don't know. You see it on TV. You know, Degrassi had one. <laughs> <laughs> Is so, Degrassi just, like, the bar for you? Like, <laughs> I mean, it had Aubrey. Aubrey. <laughs> Angela Placuda, um, so he was there finishing up the yearbook design with some of his students. He sent the students home about 9 p.m., but then stayed to work a little bit more until 11, which is like, I don't know if I could be in a high school by myself after 11. Oh, no. No, 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 no. no. There's like too many sounds and creaks and rats. (laughs) So when he was leaving, he spotted a young teenage girl wearing a... He said about a 1940s-style blue chiffon dress, and she was just standing under the glow of an exit sign. He began to tell her to leave because, obviously, the school was closed, 11 p.m., but her expression became very sad whenever he told her, and then she began to fade away as he moved closer. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like Thanos. So, like Thanos. It's not the same. (laughs) It's not the same. But... How did he know it was 1940s? Like, that's very specific. Hey, Alexa, what does a 1940s dress look like? Sorry, I don't know that. But I do have a skill you might like. It's called animal sounds. (laughs) Oh my god. No, thank you. Not right now. But later. Okay. I don't know. What does a 1940s dress look like? Like, I'm just... I don't know. I just feel like it's very specific. Like, he just, like, knew that off the top of his head. Like, it was... Oh, she was wearing this dress. Oh, very nineteen forty. it was like this. Uh, okay. Okay. That makes sense now? Yes. Yeah. Because that is very 1940s. <laughs> yes. Okay. 
So uh, another staff member, Coach Danny McKillop, I'm just going to call him Coach because you know Coach, and his track team probably had the creepiest encounter during the 1980s. Are you ready for this? Mm Mm-hmm. The team was returning from a state track championship in Austin, and the team was putting their equipment away when the coach heard sounds that sounded like other students in the school, but obviously, like, not because it's 2 a.m. Right. He heard the sound of running uh, in the hallways from above, headed towards the auditorium. He reported hearing laughter and cheerleading. He reported hearing laughter and cheerleaders cheering and voices. Voices singing the school's fight song. He rushed towards the auditorium to see what was happening. The sounds continued until he got to the doors. When he got to the doors, the sounds just abruptly stopped. Oh, shit. Yeah. So he checked the doors. They were locked. And, you know, like, it was those doors that have the little windows on them. Mm-hmm. So he peeped in and couldn't see anything right Mm -hmm. and then he was like i'm gonna go downstairs get my master key i'll be right back so the students followed him downstairs okay Mm -hmm. when they got back to the locker rooms and everything they heard it again oh shit so he went got his master key told them to stay put because you know safety and with the master key he went back upstairs he opened the door found no one and nothing out of place Shit. Yeah. Damn. The next morning, he discovered no one was in the school that early except for him and his team. Fuck. Yeah. That's creepy. That's so creepy, right? I have, like, goosebumps. Along with secret classrooms and secret pep rallies, there is also a closed-off hallway. This is a long hallway with stairs and a balcony at the end of it. But it also oozes ectoplasm. What kind of Ghostbuster shit is this? <laughs> okay, maybe not ectoplasm, but there is, like, reports of a strange gooey substance dripping from the ceilings and an eerie fog around the hallway. Like I said, what kind of Ghostbuster <laughs> shit is this? <laughs> the school reports that they have had multiple specialists come out to look into the goo to make sure it's nothing harmful. The people will get rid of the goo and it will be back within a day. One of the speculations is uh, that... One of the speculations is that this whole hall and balcony is boarded up because in the 1970s, a teenage girl who had just been broken up with went to the balcony, slit her wrist, and then jumped to her death. Oh, shit. Many students and staff have reported seeing the apparition jump over and over again from the balcony. Oh, man. That would fuck with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like an infinite loop. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. portal? Yeah. Oh, that would fuck with me hard. Yeah, that would, too. That would fuck with me, too. She is not the only uh, ghost girl there. There's actually numerous reported ghosts of girls at the school. So, probably the most eerie ghost girl encounter made the yearbook, okay? Actually, two of them. Oh. <laughs> so, the first one I'm going to talk about it is of the class picture of 1985. In the picture, it shows the class. Obviously, it's in black and white. So, this photo is the second photo on your drive. Everyone is in focus except for one girl. Is it the girl in the the top corner? Oh, I see her. On the left. Yeah, the one that looks a little glitchy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking weird, bro. Everyone, including the students beside her, say that the fo- that in the f- oh god, everyone in. <sighs> Let me restart. Everyone, including the students that were beside her in the photo, say that the girl in the photo was not there while they were taking the class photo, okay? Yeah. The school keeps the yearbook open to that page and on display near the front entrance. Another weird picture in the yearbook is that of one taken in 1916. That's the last photo on your drive. Okay. Um, It was taken while the school was being built. It shows the figure of a young woman. Okay, so I had to look kind of closely. Because in the middle, it looks like there's a shadow, right? Yeah. So, the young woman, you can zoom in, and it's at the bottom left-hand corner. Oh, I can see her clearly. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it was just me. (laughs) I'm sorry. The picture was super small, though, when I saw it. I zoomed it for you. Appreciate Uh, it. Like the other, no one knows who she is, no one remembers her being there, or seeing a woman in a white dress on the site that day. Neither of the women appear in the negatives for either of the photos, only in the yearbook photos. That's fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's so fucking creepy, right? So, because of all the paranormal happenings at the school, the school does not have night custodians. No one stays in the building after 9 p.m. Okay, so they just... They just clean up after school's out, and then they just go home. Yeah, because, like, none of, like, they've quit, they've walked out, like, none of them will stay. Yeah. So, that is the haunting of El Paso High School. Crazy. Crazy. Can we circle back, though, to um, the yearbook picture? Yeah, let's circle back. Like, it makes sense that no one would see the, the woman because she looks out of place. Because you notice how, like, she's in between two rows. I really don't want to look at this photo, but I'm going to. <laughs> she's, like, honestly, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. Like, she's she looks to be, like, kind of in between, like, the rows, almost. Yeah. Yeah, she does. But, oh, God, I have to stop looking at the photo, Milton. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, it's, like, we're recording this right before bed. Yeah. I don't know how the fuck I'm going to sleep. It'll be fine. We'll make it work. We'll have to sleep with the dog. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, and she's like, uh, like it's just, oive. Yeah, and I like how both of the, uh, both of the women in those pictures, they just look out of place. Oh, like, definitely. It's crazy. Neither of them look like they belong. Right. Because they don't. <laughs> because they don't exactly. And you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> So, my references this week is seekghost.blogspot.com, hauntedrooms.com, borderzine.com, and buzzadamsshow.com. So, I know the last couple of weeks my stories have been pretty short and everything. So, I hope this one knocked your socks off. Because it did mine. Yeah. I've got the heebie-jibbies for real. (laughs) And, of course, we'll be posting these pictures on our socials. Of course. So, don't forget to check. But that was a great story, though. Thanks. That was awesome. Did it give you the heebie-jeebies? Yeah. Y'all, Milton, okay, so our office is like a horseshoe almost, and then like where the opening of the horseshoe is, is the door. And Milton's off uh, desk, his back is to the door all day, and I don't know how he does it, because I did this the other day, and I was getting paranoid the whole time. 
I was like, somebody's going to be standing there. Somebody's going to be standing there with a butcher knife. I'm going to die today. It's fine. Oh, well. If I die, I die. <laughs> I hope not. Oh, my God. I'd be lost. So, now that we've told you about our stories, don't forget to check us out and follow us on Twitter at H-E-H Podcast, Instagram at Happily Ever Haunted Podcast, and Facebook at Happily Ever Haunted Podcast. If you love the show, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or Podchaser or wherever you get your podcasts. DM us the picture of the screenshot and we'll send you some stickers. Um, we would love to hear from you guys. And remember, those that hunt together, stay, stay together. together.